Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to be together today, 2020. So far, so good, right? Only five days into it, but that's kind of the problem, isn't it? It's like no major catastrophes thus far, but what happens next? What's going to happen this year ahead? That's the problem, wondering, kind of worrying about what lies ahead, because we know by experience there'll be some potholes in the road of life as we go forward. There are going to be some rough things that happen this year. We know by experience that that's life. Life is a series of problems mingled with accomplishments. We hope the joys sort of outweigh the sorrows. But how do you get ready for that? You know, since we know there are going to be problems ahead, rough roads, how do we be spiritually proactive? How do we prepare for the tough stuff beforehand so we can respond in the best way possible? I think maybe that's why some folks like to make New Year's resolutions, because they're a way of uh, tackling some of the key issues that they're facing ahead of time. Might be health or relationships, finance, fitness, and so on. You know, make a goal and then move towards it, and that's a good, that's a good thing to do. It's a positive thing, though I must confess this year I didn't make any New Year's resolutions. I do have things I want to see happen in 2020, but I didn't make a list, because for me, what I like to do, I like to pick one word. One word that'll sort of be my mantra for the year. A word that can inspire me or challenge me. Give me some direction. Give me some focus for all these other decisions that I have to make. And one word is just easier for me to remember than a long list of things that I'm trying to accomplish. And honestly, you know, most of the time when I make New Year's resolutions, you know, I kind of bomb out on them by the end of January anyway. So just one word is just a little bit easier for me. There are a lot of different uh, websites, books that you can go to that will help you discover what your one word might be. They even have suggestions like purpose, surrender, serve, pray, forgive, all good choices. But the one word that I chose this year comes from Jesus in John 10.10, where he says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So my word is abundance, and by that I mean the wholeness, the, the fullness, the, the overflowing of God's presence in my life, abundance. Not like material things. I don't need any more stuff. I want that inner abundance that comes from being in step with all that God wants for my life. And sometimes I have to confess, that's a mystery to me. You know, what it is that God wants to do in me, what God wants me to do. Sometimes my vision gets blurry. Uh, my, my motives get a little cloudy. I've got conflicting desires, conflicting ideas. There are a lot of things that are just simply out of my control. So to pursue this kind of abundance with God, I always feel like I need to be doing some ongoing introspection. I need to look at my heart and my inner self <coughs> because I don't want to get this wrong. I w and I know that left to my own devices, I can deceive myself. I can talk myself into things that you know I really probably shouldn't uh, go in that direction. I'm sure that never happens to you but it does happen to me. So it's good for me to take some time to just do some self-reflection because God cares about our heart motives. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at things the way people do. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God's concerned about my inner life, my thoughts, my motivations, my heart. Not just the externals, but I need to examine my inner world because realistically, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. So a couple of months ago, I asked myself, what's the number one issue in my heart that really prevents me from experiencing this kind of abundant life that I think God wants me to have? And that was so easy to answer. It just came like that. It was so easy. Anxiety. 
anxiety. Anticipating all the negatives of life. Getting stressed about what might happen. In his book, Anxious for Nothing, Max Lucado defines anxiety as this edginess, a dread, a cold wind that won't stop howling. It's not so much the storm, but the certainty that a storm is going to come someday. Terrorists will terrorize. Airplanes will fall out of the sky. Bull markets will go bare. The other shoe will drop. Anxiety is a low-grade fear, but anxiety and fear are cousins, not twins, he says. Fear sees a threat. Anxiety only imagines one. And isn't that the truth? Anxiety imagines a threat imagines a negative future, you start experiencing all the negative emotions before anything actually happens. It's a meteor shower of what-ifs that just keep pinging off your brain. Anxiety is this kind of dread, and I know that feeling. It usually hits me in the middle of the night. You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? My mind gets on that hamster wheel. Round and round it goes. Soon my imagination kicks in, and all the negative possibilities seem endless. And I know that you know that feeling too. I won't bore you with all the statistics, but the National Institute of Mental Health says anxiety is our top mental health challenge in our culture. Over 50 million people with diagnosable anxiety disorders, including panic attacks and phobias and other things. Stress-related illnesses cause over $300 billion in, in lost productivity and medical expenses for businesses. Billions of dollars spent on prescriptions. Anxiety is everywhere. The Institute says, and I quote, anxiety disorders are the number one mental health problem among women and second only to alcohol and drug abuse among men. And realistically, for men, aren't those other things probably caused by anxiety? Their conclusion is that the United States is the most anxious nation in the world. But you know what? I didn't need the National Institute of Mental Health to tell me that. I figured it out another way. When it was announced, what was the most popular Bible verse for 2019? The YouVersion app, which is the most widely used Bible app in the world, has over 400 million users, offers the Bible in 2,000 different versions, I think 1,300 different languages. They can actually track the things that people are reading. So they know if you're naughty or nice. You know, they, they can track what people are reading on their app. And according to their data, the most popular verse in the Bible, most searched for, most underlined, most read, was Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything. That's the most sought-after biblical advice in the year 2019. And you know what's equally amazing? Uh, on the Kindle ebook reader, they do the exact same kind of tracking, and according to them, their Bible app on the Kindle, the most highlighted, sought-after verse in 2019 same verse, Philippians 4.6. Two different sources, both giving us the exact same information. And that should tell us something. First of all, there are a lot of people dealing with anxiety. And it's not just me, it's not just you. If you struggle with anxious thoughts and worries, friends, you're not alone. Christians, non-Christians, all alike struggle with the tension and pressure that comes from worrying over all the what-ifs of life. So you're not a bad person if you struggle with anxiety. You're normal. You're absolutely normal. If you ever thought that somehow you're the only person on planet Earth who struggles with anxious thoughts, you're not. It is a big club. Even the people who don't look anxious probably are. They're just better at hiding it. And that's often true of me because I know with my particular personality, 
I'm kind of like that proverbial duck swimming across a pond. On the surface, everything looks calm and serene, no ruffled feathers, but underneath my little web feet are just going a mile a minute. That's what it's like on my inside. So this is an everybody issue. So if you wrestle with anxiety, you are not freakishly different from other people. You are just like the rest of us. So that's at least one less thing you have to worry about. You're welcome, okay? We've already started off. Knock that one down. Everyone deals with anxiety at some level. But as Christians, we have to realize we are not automatically exempt from worry. Thumb through the pages of Scripture, and you'll see how often people in those stories have to deal with their fears and their phobias. Abraham and Moses and Joshua, Ruth, David, Esther, Mary, Peter, even Jesus. You read through Scripture, and you'll see how often God came to them with the message, don't be afraid. Did you know that the words fear not, it's actually the most repeated command in the Bible. Dr. Lloyd Ogilvy wrote in his book, Facing the Future Without Fear, that there are 366 fear nots in the Bible. One for every day of the year plus the leap year. So it's like God doesn't want us to go a single day without realizing and hearing his word, fear not. So we're like everybody else on the planet when it comes to experiencing anxiety. But we also have something special. We have access to God's grace and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to help us deal with our worries and our fears. If we're going to get a handle on how to deal with our anxious thoughts, it's important for us to recognize what some of those tools are that the Lord is going to give us to help us to deal with this. At least maybe not eliminate anxiety altogether, but at least we can shave it down to a manageable size so it's not robbing us of our joy, our happiness, not robbing us of our sleep or of our health. And the battle is always in our minds. First and foremost, we need to be reminding ourselves of God's truth. There are some eternal truths that we should remember that will actually help us to be better prepared to face our fears. And the first one is this, that you're already fully accepted by God. If you've given your life to Christ, you're already declared righteousness in his sight. Christ not only purchased your righteousness on the cross, but he also gave you his perfect righteousness. You're clothed, you're surrounded, you're enveloped by the grace of Christ. So when the Father sees you, all that he sees is the goodness of Christ surrounding you. You've already been accepted by him, and that's an eternal thing. It's not about you holding on to God. Salvation is all about Christ holding on to you. So that even in your darkest moments, when you feel like you don't even have the strength of, of even having any kind of faith, you don't feel like you can hold on to God at all, Christ has promised to hold on to you, and nothing can ever break his grip. Severe anxiety can sometimes lead people to falsely believe that they're alone or that they've been abandoned by God or that because they're so filled with fears and worries that somehow God has stopped loving them. That is just absolutely not true. No matter what happens, no matter what you're worrying about, no matter how far down that worry hole you've fallen, you are not out of God's grace. It's the great promise of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, 38, where he says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fears of today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. 
Not going to separate you from the love of God, period. That's what theologians call the preservation of the saints. Saints, and that's you. That's not some Catholic thing. Saints in the Bible means people chosen by God, people called by God, and that's you. Secured by grace through Jesus Christ. So that's the first truth to kind of tuck away in your brain that you're already fully accepted by God even with all the mess and the confusion and the fears and the anxieties and the sins, even with all our worries, you are already fully loved and adopted as a child of God. And God cherishes you, wants you to be close to him. That leads us to the second truth, that because of this grace of Christ, you are being made new. You are being made new. This both happened to you and is happening to you now, simultaneously. You were made new the moment that you put your faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what we were just talking about, made new in God's eyes through the work of Christ. You were changed because of your faith in Jesus. But you're also continuing to change as you grow closer to Christ right now. And I know that's a little bit of a paradox, but you're right now in this ongoing process of spiritual growth whenever you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and become more and more like Christ. This is what's called the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. This continuous process of change because, friends, we've all got a long way to go, right? I mean, none of us has really arrived yet. So uh, how we deal with anxiety is actually going to be one of our big growth areas as believers. One of our values as a church is that we want to help you take your next spiritual step. Wherever you are now, and it's different for everybody, but wherever you are now, we want to help you take that next step closer to Christ. And since anxiety is such a big issue, it's a good growth area for us to work on together as a family. Again, Max Lucado writes this. It's not God's will that you lead a life of perpetual anxiety. It's not his will that you face every day with dread and trepidation. He made you for more than a life of breath-stealing angst and mind-splitting worry. He has a new chapter for your life, and he is ready to write it. So for the next seven weeks... We're going to be working on this together. And what we're going to do is basically an extended Bible study on the most popular passage of the Bible, including the context verses around it, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. We're really going to delve into God's wisdom on how to deal with anxiety. And one of the things that I'm going to challenge you each to do is to memorize this passage, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Memorize it. Some of you may already have the spiritual practice of memorizing Scripture. Great, that'll be easy for you then. Others, I'm sure, you've never memorized anything in the Bible, okay? Well, this is a great place for you to start. Because the main way to overcome anxiety with its fearful future projections is to fill your mind with the truth of God's Word. There's no better way to do that than to begin to memorize Scripture. Memorize it so that you can instantly bring it to mind. Bring it into the battle that goes on in your head when you feel yourself starting to slip into that pattern of worry. You've got to be able to interrupt that pattern. And the best way to do that is to interrupt it with God's Word. That pattern that leads you to deeper thoughts of anxiety and fearful outcomes. The best way is to inject God's positive promises into your thoughts and in that way flip the script. Memorize scripture is the absolute very best tool you will ever have to do just that. So we're going to work through this passage line by line. We're going to read the passage together out loud each week for the next seven weeks. 
Now that in and of itself will not help you to memorize it. You're going to need to read it and go over it on a daily basis, I hope, for yourself. Use the YouVersion app. Read it off your phone. Read it off the back of your bulletin this morning. Take it from your own Bible, whatever works for you. Write it on a note card, but carry it with you so that you can read it and chew on it and really internalize it throughout the week. So we're going to read it together now up on the screen, or you can read it off the back of your bulletin if that's easier for you. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, keep that up. Do that on a daily basis, a little bit of time. Begin to put it into your heart. Own it. Make it yours. Use the truth of God to combat the false fears that come your way. And as we read this passage each week, we're going to break it down into sections following a simple acronym, the word CALM, C-A-L-M, which stands for celebrate, verse 4, ask, which is verse 6, leave, which is verse 7, and then meditate, which is verses 8 and 9, and we're going to break it up that way. Calm. So we're going to celebrate, ask, leave, and meditate. That's the process we see in this passage. Four admonitions followed by one great promise. The God of peace will be with you. Doesn't that sound good? The God of peace with you. In you, around you, protecting your heart and your mind from this onslaught of things that we could worry about. Celebrate, ask, leave, and meditate. And the result, God's peace over your heart. That's how we're going to break down this passage. But there's another tool I'd like to recommend that you get. It's a little booklet by Max Lucado called Less Fret, More Faith. Less Fret, More Faith. It's very simple, little workbook. Uh, you can get it off of Amazon for like $2.75. It's very cheap. It's going to highlight some actual practical anti-anxiety strategies that you can work on on your own to begin to help you in your particular circumstances. I will refer to it occasionally during the, the sermon series, but we're not going to use it you know, like chapter by chapter. It's like an added bonus to help you focus on how you're going to apply the truth of God's Word to your life. And like most things in life, you get out of it what you put into it, so I'm going to ask you to do a little extra work. Go ahead and get this uh, from Amazon if you can. Um, we're going to have some copies available next Sunday if you're not able to do that. Uh, I can't really make this any easier for you. So this, if you really want to see growth in yourself and some progress in how you deal with anxiety, this is a great tool to help you do that. Okay? So for Christians and non-Christians, you know, the presence of anxiety in our lives, it's going to be unavoidable, but it doesn't have to be a prison. A closer relationship with Jesus is essential. As we learn about God's character, his love, his wisdom, as we get drawn closer to Christ, he promises to guide us 
into a better way of living. Our relationship with Christ can lead us to greater peace as he comes alongside us through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray that 2020 is the year that we grow a little closer to becoming the person that God really wants to be through his life-changing grace and love. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you were tempted in all ways just as we are. You were tempted to anxiety. You were tempted to fear. You were tempted to all those things. And I thank you that, that anxiety is really not a sin. It's just an emotion. But it's an emotion that can lead us into a lot of places that we don't want to go. So Lord, help us to take control of our thought life and to begin to turn our lives in a different direction as we put the truth of your word into our hearts. We thank you now in your name we pray. Amen.